For the most part, when we think of victims of rape and other sexual violence incidents, we usually think the victim is a female. However, a proportion of victims of rape or other sexual violence incidents are male. Historically, rape was taught to be and defined as a crime committed solely against females. This belief is still held in some parts of the world, but sexual abuse of males is now commonly criminalized and has been subject to more discussion in the past few years. Another misconception is that males are the sole predators in these incidents, eliminating the possibility and truth that female predators also exist, also known as female-on-male sexual abuse. My guest today, who wishes to remain anonymous, is sharing his story about the sexual abuse he received as a child. However, this story goes even further. The experience which will be shared in this episode will be discussing child-on-child sex abuse. Listen to this excerpt taken from an article found on Sapria, formerly known as DefendInnocence.org. The term child-on-child sex abuse is defined as sexual activity between children that occurs without consent, without equality, mentally, physically, or in age, or as a result of physical or emotional corrosion. What this means is that a power difference exists between the two children, whether that it is in age, size, or ability. While the trauma for the victim is still the same as if it had happened by an adult, this type of abuse often goes unreported either because it's dismissed by adults as kids being kids or for the fear of what will happen to one or both of the children. The truth is that both children need help in a situation like this. The child being abused certainly needs the appropriate care to avoid the weight of a lifelong trauma that so many survivors of child sexual abuse experience, as well as the symptoms that go with it, end quote. If you've never heard of these terms or stories, or even if you have, I ask that you tune in for one man's journey and self-awareness in relation to sexual abuse. Also, be sure to check out links to articles with more information regarding this topic in the show's description. So stay locked in. This Around the Way girl wants to chat with you. She's discovering new information in this world that surrounds her, tapping into her inner power, her sexuality, and taking ownership of her insecurities. She discovered she had to unlearn some things. Come and enjoy her moments of reflection, re-education, redefinition, and evolution. Kick back, sip some wine, take a drive, whatever your vibe. Join me, your host, Shay Sana, with She Discovered Podcast. So stay tuned, you might learn some things. Take me back to that day the incident happened. I was a very loving child. I was raised by my mom full time. She was home with me for like probably the first, for the first five years of my life. You know, I I spent all all the time with her. She would take me everywhere. You know, she would kind of homeschool me and, you know, just kind of do everything with me. We were also missionaries. We traveled um, to different countries as my dad worked. The, The first time, the first incident that I dealt with child abuse essentially was when I was five 
this was a time when we were we were staying at somebody's house. So we were in transition from one country to the other. They had a 12-year-old that was a 12-year-old girl that was staying with them. There was a guest room. So my parents got to stay in the guest room and I got to stay in the room with the 12-year-old girl. Uh, we basically had to share that, that bed. Uh, I found out later in, in life that, you know, the 12-year-old girl wasn't actually their daughter or anything. It was an adopted person that was staying with them. Uh, from what I remember, you know, during the daytime and everything, we would play, you know, she would show me around, you know, we'd watch TV and you're just going to do fun stuff. In the evenings, when they would put us to bed, she would have me play these games with her. They put us to bed, they close the door, lights out, everybody's going to bed, but, you know, she would wake up and just have me play these games with her where I would ha- I would do stuff to her. She wouldn't do anything to me, but she would have me do stuff to her, like on her body, like with her breasts and explore different parts of her body and just kind of, you know, kind of make a game out of it. I remember it feeling kind of wrong because I remember she told me, you know, don't tell anybody, you know, um, this is just between me and you. And I didn't really understand what was happening, but it was, this was a new friend that I made and I thought this was just part of our, our games and having fun. That whole experience, you know, it just kind of, even at the age of five, I knew something was wrong, but it didn't really click the impact or, or, or how bad it was. And, you know, and then, you know, we moved on from there. We, we, we like I said, we transitioned to another country and um, it was a new environment. I, I had to get used to, you know, I actually had my sixth birthday while I was there and, you know, actually got a chance to go to school in that whole transition period and, and going to first grade and everything. Um, I do remember that my mom got a job for the first time. So this was the first time that I was not, you know, going to have her. Like she had, she was gone from like eight to five. They would drop me off at school in the morning, but school got out. It was probably like by around two or three o'clock and nobody was at home for me to be there. The neighbors next door, so we live in an apartment building. So the apartment next door, there was a family that was really close to the family that we lived with. They had an older daughter who was 12 or 13 at a time and she had two younger sisters. And so she was responsible, you know, when, when they came home from school, she would, you know, watch her sisters and, you know, until their parents got home and whatnot, they offered to have her watch me also, you know, until my parents got home during that period, the second incident happened. I remember at that age, um, I used to like to watch TV. I mean, there were, there were things like, there were like my, my parents were very protective. My mom was very protective. You know, there were certain things on TV she didn't want me to watch. Like if, uh, I remember like if somebody like, you know, if somebody was kissing on TV, you know, they would cover my eyes. You can't watch that turn away whatnot. But you know, when we would be at that house, at that apartment after school and, you know, she would turn on TV shows and have us watch whatever, like there would be soap operas kissing and just kind of holding each other and stuff like that. And she actually would tell, you know, me and her younger sister and everything, just kind of tell us, you know, this is what happens. This is what grownups do. You know, this is how, what people do. The curiosity started getting to us, you know, so we wanted to be like, what does it feel like to kiss and stuff like that? Mm. You know, she would encourage that. It was interesting because she actually encouraged me kissing with her younger, with her sisters. Her younger sisters were about my age. So it was kind of like, it was just this game that we would play. Playing house was a big thing. It was kind of like, everyone, everybody liked to play house back then. Yeah. You know, your mommy and your daddy and your, your kids. But then it, it started getting kind of serious. I remember, you know, at first she used to have us play and just kind of direct us. 
And then where, you know, there was one time when she was like, okay, we're going to change things up now. You know, I'm going to be the mommy. And since I was the only guy, I was going to be the daddy. And then she took me over into the room and she was like, okay, we're going to do what, what mommy and daddy do. You know, I was like, okay, cool. So like what the other time when I would be with the other, the others playing like the daddy with the others, you know, we would, we would kiss, just kind of kiss and like hug and everything. And just, you know, it was, it was really innocent. Like we were all young and just kind of practicing what we were seeing on TV. We didn't really understand what we were doing. So, but I remember when she took me to the room, we kissed and I thought that was cool. But then, you know, she had me take all my clothes off and I was like, okay. And then she took all her clothes off too. And then, you know, she was like, okay, you need to lay on the bed, you know, and then we, we need to kiss laying down and stuff like that. Then, you know, she would like have me do stuff to her body and then she would do stuff to my body. And At that moment, when she started having you do stuff to her body, were you getting flashbacks of when you were five or you didn't even connect the two yet? That's a good question. I, I don't think I connected the two. I might have at that, at that time. Uh, I mean, honestly, right now, I can't remember whether I connected them or not, but I might have. You know, it might have seemed fam fam uh, familiar to me from what happened before. That also might have kind of triggered her that, you know, okay, he looks like he knows what he's doing, whatever. Oh, okay. But I know that things got, went further. I do remember that, you know, she would like get on top of me and she would sit on me and start grinding on me. I was uncomfortable. It was hurting me. I remember just kind of like, because I didn't understand what she was doing. She was very aggressive and it just wasn't pleasant for me. And it's so interesting. It's like you're talking and I'm like, this is a 12-year-old girl. She's a child as well. Correct. It's not like a grown woman. And we're going to get into that where there are scenarios where there are grown women doing this to, to little children, right? That it's not only the narrative that only men molest little children. There are actually grown women that do so. But I'm thinking that for her to have watched these things on television, she felt like what she was doing to you was normal. And that if you were a boy, the opposite sex, then what she was doing, you had to like it. You had to want to do it. But like you mm -hmm. said, being so young, you were just like, no, this is not fun. As I was older, looking back at, at you know, reflecting back on these things, I believe that she probably was abused herself. Somebody was doing something to her. Um, for her to be at that point to do to know what to do to me, um, mm. I believe that there was an older person that was actually abusing her just because of how she was actually doing things to me. I think it's more than just her watching, you know, TV or or, or seeing. I mean, the inter there was no internet back then. You know, I, I don't know that she would have gotten her hands on any pornography or anything like that. But I, I feel that somebody might have been doing stuff to her that she was just kind of reciprocating that over to me. Thank you for coming this far into the episode. I wanted to share the exciting news of She Discovered Podcast expanding to YouTube. We will still be streaming audio episodes via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. In addition, extra episodes will air via YouTube from time to time. So please be sure to follow and subscribe. Updates and teasers can be found on Instagram at She Discovered Podcast. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I remember this this happened for quite a while. I mean, there were there were multiple instances where, you know, we we did this. It got to the point where she didn't want she only wanted to be the mo the mommy. 
she didn't want the others to be the mommy anymore. You know, every time we played that, I remember that made me sad. That kind of infuriated me because I wasn't enjoying this. And I remember I spoke up and she got mad. And I think that's when it all eventually ended. Just something that I, I just never dealt with. I, I never told anybody about it. Never told my mom or anybody. It just it just stopped and, you know, just moved on with life. Did you feel that if you told your mom or your dad that you would probably get in trouble? Yes. Um, I know my parents were very strict and I know that, I mean, she obviously told us, you know, we, we shouldn't say anything to anybody. You know, this was, um, because, you know, we were, we were basically, we were practicing the things we're seeing on TV that, uh, that our parents told us, you know, to turn away and not look at. I knew that I couldn't tell my mom or anything about it because we're already not even supposed to be watching it. For me, right? I'm, I don't have children yet, but I'm thinking about my children. And yes, there are certain things I don't want my children to watch or be exposed to at a young age. Although I feel like I'm going to have free communication in my household with my children, but that doesn't mean that I need to sit them in front of a movie with sex scenes for them to get the point, right? I would want to set the, and I'm not saying anything with your parents. But I I would want to set the scene, not the scene, I would want to set the atmosphere for my children that even if they weren't to engage in something like that or something was to happen to them, that they watched something they were, weren't supposed to, but that they would feel comfortable to come and say, you know what, mom, this is what happened. And know that although they did something, quote unquote, they weren't supposed to do in the sense of like watching stuff, the bigger thing at hand of what happened to them, what they have been engaging in I would be like you know what this is bigger than you watching something you weren't supposed to watch and knowing that I'm there for them but when you think of our parents around that time I don't think not saying they were ignorant to the fact that things like this can happen you know what I mean because nothing's new under the sun but I really don't think that they believe that we would probably be dealing with stuff like that especially from another child sometimes they fear it from another adult but from another child they're not thinking that absolutely i mean i, I totally agree with that so with, with my parents talking about sex or you know male female interactions and stuff like that that was not something that i i feel like they were comfortable talking to me i mean even even into like my teenage years and whatever we've never had those types of conversations they were kind of taboo like you know they didn't express affections or whatever around me, you know, so mm. I, I didn't see that around the house. And I, I think it also stems from, I mentioned this in other conversations, there was a fear and there's a fear in the church, but there's also a fear with parents, right? And I think we need to address that. And I'm glad that us as millennials, because of things that we've experienced and learned, I think we're now saying, okay, this is how we're going to deal with our children. Specifically, let's go to the church setting. The fear of if we talk about sex or if we educate children about sex, that's going to make them want, and want to go out and experience it mm. because they're hearing about it. They're curious, <laughs> but them not knowing, talk, talk about, about it or it. not talk about it. We're, we're curious. <laughs> You know, we're going to find out some way or another, right? And the less you educate us properly on it, we're going to go somewhere and get miseducated. We're going to go somewhere and some, and or TV or music is it's going to bring us up on what sexuality is. In the home, I believe that parents also had that idea that if I talk too much about sex with my kids, they may think that it's okay. Or, you know, I might ignite something in their mind and they want to go um, 
um, you know, they're going to get curious, but we have school that we go to. <laughs> we're dealing with other children. We're hearing things. As much as, yes, we can protect our children, I think it's more important to talk freely with our children because they're going to get it somewhere else. So we need to be open with our kids. And I learned somewhere that they said, even if you're afraid that you don't want to tell your children everything, tell them things as they're growing up. What is appropriate for them to understand about sexuality at seven? You wouldn't want to tell them certain things at seven because they can't comprehend it yet. Okay, as they're growing up, now they're 13, you can start adding onto it. And then now they're 16, add more onto it. But just just don't say anything at all. But as they're growing into adulthood, you should at least set a foundation about sexuality and as they grow you just give them the age appropriate information that's you know that's a very good point like you know my first encounter like i talked about was at five you know how do you how do you tell a five-year-old protect a five-year-old or or teach him how to avoid a situation like this or be or tell him give him the information he needs so that he can come to you if, if something ever happens Mm-hmm. That's that's really rough. I mean, I know my mom was very protective, but even even with all of that protection, I, I don't think that she ever um, talked to me about you know my private parts, and no one should be wanting to touch that or anything like that, or what to do. You know, I have kids my myself, and I remember as they turned the age, you know, I dealt with this. I remember just kind of looking at them and just kind of like just shaking my head, like I I couldn't, I can't even imagine them going through a similar situation at that age. They're so young and so innocent. I, I mean, I don't even know what to talk to them about if I were to kind of caution them about, you know, sexual encounters or anything like that. As a counselor with my church, I, I work with young people. One, we had to go through the, the training where it prepares you to understand if a child is being abused or been in a situation as you're working with kids. Um, you know, as I went through the training, you know, something that they, they talked about is at that age, uh, children don't have the mental capacity to really understand sex and, and these feelings, like people abusing them sexually. They they don't have the mental capacity because it's not something that they're ready for. So so when something like that happens to them, they don't have anything to connect it to in their brain and just kind of lock it away and, and just don't touch it. As a result, a lot of times that when they get older and then they do start, you know, having experiences or everything that relate to it, that's when these memories come back and they kind of like latch on to these new experiences that they are now having. And I think that's that's kind of like what happened in my case. As I got older and, you know, I was in an all-boys school and, you know, we would be sitting around and, and boys were talk boys would be boys, you know, they're they're talking about their experiences and talking about what they you know, what base has they have they been to with girls and stuff like that. As they were talking, it started connecting dots. And that truly, I think I was maybe like 15 or so. That was really the first time that those memories of what happened to me at five and six really came forward and just made sense. It was like that's when I had that like eureka moment like, oh snap. I was in a sexual interaction, interactive situation. At first, it kind of scared me. At first, it was just kind of like, I felt like I could relate to what they're saying. But then I, when I really thought about it, I was just like, I was so young. Does that, even, that doesn't even count. I can't use the story to, to join the conversation and brag. It wasn't until I was in my 30s that I actually told my mom about, I sat there with my mom, we were driving somewhere and, you know, just kind of talking to her. And I told her what happened, you know, both incidents. And she was shocked. 
to the point where, you know, because she was very protective of me. And I think just her reaction almost felt like, you know, she kind of failed me. And, you know, I told her, no, no, it, it's not your fault. You know, it's, and, you know, she was like, why didn't you come to me? Why didn't you tell me this? And I just, I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't know, you know, that how big a deal it was, you know, and, you know, we talked about it and whatnot. And just, I, you know, I told her that, you know, over the years I've dealt with it and I'm in a good place now. And, and I, I think I've learned from the experience to deal, to help my own children. It, re it impacted her even at that late in the game. And I could see that, you know, she, something that she had always wanted to protect me from, and it still was able to creep in. Yeah, any parent would feel that way. Like, because as parents, we want to be your superwoman, your superman, to feel that they couldn't have protect you as much as they put all those barriers in place. It's just like, how did I miss this? And did I not set the environment for my child to come to me? Because you see, that's the next thing she asks. Why didn't you tell me? The feeling of guilt, because now you start to think, okay, as a parent, how did I fail? And, you know, my child had to go through this alone. So it's understandable. And it's good that you were able, as now a uh, older man, to explain to her, look, I don't blame you. It wasn't your fault, you know? What were the things that you had to sift through now as a teenager and a, an adult with what happened to you? Like, what were the things that you felt that you had to go through because of that experience? As I mentioned to you, as a teenager, these memories started coming back and, and I started, you know, I started unpacking them and, and they started making sense to me because I was at the age that boys start talking about things like that and whatnot. And, and I started realizing that, okay, I've, I've had these experiences, but it's still, I didn't feel the, the weight of the impact just yet. You know, it's, I was in an all guys school from up until the age of um, like 16. I then graduated, moved to New York. And then I started, I attended a school. I got a chance to interact with, you know, girls and whatnot at that level. Um, but I was always a very shy person, you know, all through my 16, 17 years old, I was really focused in school. It wasn't until at the end of the, of high school that, you know, during the yearbook, when people are signing yearbooks and whatnot, I realized, Hey, there were a lot of girls that were actually interested in me. I just didn't even notice them. Um, you know, you see all the comments and everything in the yearbook. Interestingly enough, one one key thing, and and you know, I'm going through this with my with my son right now, who's you know a young teenager. Building relationships with girls um, is important in terms of building friendships, building you know, learning how to collaborate, learning how to talk, have discussions, learning about each other and stuff like that. That's very important, and I kind of feel like I've missed that step. I was almost 18. Like by the time I turned 18, I started having more interactions with girls. All of the, I guess, serious girlfriends that I've had, including the partner that I'm married with, married to, all of them started with physical um, interaction. Not necessarily sex, kind of reflecting and looking back on, on all of those interactions. It really feels like I was conditioned to feel like if you have a girlfriend or boyfriend, there has to be physical interaction. If there wasn't, then you weren't. And it just kind of feels like I was conditioned that way. It was a pattern that I, I didn't notice. You felt that there was no intimacy in these relationships unless it was physical. So unless there was physical, unless there was sex, you believe that that didn't equate to intimacy. That didn't equate to being in a relationship because based on how you were conditioned in order to be in a relationship with someone, the element of sexuality had to be there. Exactly. I couldn't be in a relationship where 
you know, we were we were talking, we were sharing things, we were like we sharing ideas and everything. If we were doing that, and and that was it, there was no like no kissing, no no making out, no nothing like that. I lost interest quickly. I would lose interest very quickly and move on. It happened a few times. And actually, there was somebody that I really liked. Uh, she had came out of a relationship that was um, not healthy for her. She expressed that she really liked me too. And I, so we started talking. We would spend, you know, endless nights on the phone talking. And, you know, she expressed to me that, you know, she's on this path. She's really trying to do things the right way. And, you know, I was like, okay, I'm supportive of that, you know, but, you know, it was always like, okay, um, so when are we going to get busy? When are we going to do that? And, you know, it's always like, no, I'm not ready yet. You know, we need to, that probably went on for about two months. I remember it got to the point where I was just kind of like, I was like, hey, listen, um, I think we should, we shouldn't just kind of limit ourselves. Maybe we should start seeing other people. And if, if this is meant to be, then it's meant to be. She reluctantly said, okay, I mean, you know what? That's fine. I think within the month, I started talking to somebody else and it got physical. And I cut that other person off and be like, you know what? I, I don't think it's going to work. Because wow. that kind of fed what I, what I felt was, the, was a relationship. Yo, let's unpack that. Because <laughs> as a female, I'm getting triggered. <laughs> This one's so deep, right? Because as you as you were first saying this, the initial thing that I thought, and I didn't want to minimize your experience as a child, but the initial thing I thought was, as teenagers, we were all taught that it begins with physicality, right? Mm -hmm. That I don't know in my peer group what relationship didn't start with the physical, even for myself, right? Because I feel like even as girls, we're trained that if you want to get a boy's attention, if you want to keep his attention, you better include the physical, right? In another episode, I mentioned that in high school, I was still a virgin. Well, early part of high school, I was still a virgin. And I used to get clowned on because it was like, girl, you ain't have sex yet. You ain't do this. Oh, you ain't a woman yet. And I'm like, I'm freaking 14, 15, you know, and then you're watching shows, 90210, Dawson's Creek, soap right. operas that are, that are glorifying teenage sex. You're not even watching adults now having sex. These are shows that are glorifying teenagers having sex as it's, as if it's your everyday norm. In my mind, I was like, well, that felt like the norm for everyone, right? Because of what we've been conditioned and fed. But as you continue to talk as a man and connecting it back to what happened to you as a child, you learned intimacy, quote unquote. It wasn't pure or true intimacy, but you learned a form of intimacy through the physicalities. For you to now have some type of relationship, like you said, certain things are, are in the back of your mind and the memory. But then once you now ignite it and you haven't connected how this connects, it's like you're actually manifesting and playing out your trauma, but you don't even know you're playing out your trauma. It's like, I'm amazed now because I'm like, I could imagine the amount of boys and young girls that have experienced this and we know it's a lot. And now we're growing into teenager and adults and we're just basically transforming trauma onto one another. That's why I think it's so vital when I tell people, when we're thinking about having sex or being with a partner, I, I agree that it should be in the sanctity of marriage or at least in a very, very committed relationship before the sexual act comes into play because this sense of casual sex, I get it. I get where it comes from. Sometimes I'll be having my moments where I'm like, you see that dude right there? I just wanna, okay, but... 
when I think of the deeper and spiritual sense of it, I'm like, I don't know what this person's carrying. They don't know what I'm carrying. You know what I mean? And in the sense of like, now we're having sex. It's not merely, yes, our bodies and we're having sex and all this type of stuff. But I don't know if you even truly care about me. I love that you're now bringing the illustration of how this girl, she's awesome, but to you, that wasn't enough. Mind you, she's trying to do something for herself, but for you, you're just like, well, are we really connected intimately if we're not physical? And I wonder if subconsciously, I wonder if because you weren't receiving physical, somewhere in your mind, you were probably feeling rejected and felt like, so what's the point? That's the truth. That Ooh. what you just said there is the absolute truth. It did feel as a form of rejection. She was just kind of stringing me along and, and it really wasn't going to go anywhere. Over the years, I've had a chance to really reflect and understand and, you know, just kind of listen to read books and and listen to speakers talk about this topic in hindsight now see that she was actually on a journey to to free herself of this cycle she wanted the relationship between me and her to be pure and, and something that you know was meaningful but i was not there you know i had not gotten to that level of of understanding and, and depth and, and she was trying to get me there but i was just too caught up in wh- what what i felt needed to validate my my need for for intimacy this could be a, a total another topic or episode when we talk about those things that has developed as rejection and need for validation and insecurities in us as an adult. And we haven't taken the time or had the opportunity to see where it stems from. It's such a beautiful thing that now you as a grown man with your family, your wife and children, that you're able to come to this point and see where it came from. There's some people your age, they're still going around with these feelings of insecurity and trauma and still don't know where it stems from. That is true. I mean, I think back and I reflect right now and yeah, I could honestly say it's only because of my spiritual background. Being on my own, like out out of my family, my my parents' home, you know, it, it was no longer you know the god of my my parents. I, they they forced me to go to church and do that, but I had to build that that relationship with Christ. I started reading more for myself, and I built that relationship where I was like, okay, this makes sense. I understand why, and I think it's only because of that why you know I did not end up in a path of just kind of running through women, um, as you know, a lot of men fall into that that trap, that habit right now. If they're not, if they don't have that spiritual backing to allow God to guide them into what's pure and, and what what they need to to do as a man, it's easy to fall into that trap. Spiritual, religious influence help me to get it right help me fall into the right path and then eventually have a family and, and move forward i want to reiterate a true relationship because we we know we have people we have men in the church or in different religions and that don't mean a damn <laughs> that damn thing but the fact that you took that foundation that your parents gave you right that biblical foundation you now formulated your own relationship You started asking your own questions. And because you gained your own relationship, the most high now was talking to you and working with you, like you said, to realize, like you said, to come to the conclusion of realizing the trauma that you experienced as a kid, the sexual abuse that you received as a kid and understood that, okay, this is not, this is not what a man should do. You know what I mean? This is not what a man of God should be doing. I don't want people to gloss over that what you experienced was sexual abuse, even though 
if it was from the hand of another child, right. because you made a good point. What you received was abuse just because it didn't come from an adult. That child, although they may be mimicking what was done to them, but what was done to them was also abuse. So it's basically abuse transferring from one person to another. Because I know some people may hear this and I'm just assuming that, oh, but it's another kid. This happens all the time. We used to play house. I remember doing that too in kindergarten, playing house or whatever, but that doesn't make it right. And right. yes, there are certain points where there was innocence because we, we want to mimic our parents or we want to mimic TV shows. But like you said, it went farther yeah. where it wasn't just little touching, kissing and playing mommy and daddy she literally took you and basically had sex with you as a six-year-old and if we understand the anatomy of our bodies even though when we're kids little boys at six you're still able to get an erection you know what i mean right. and as as young girls at 12 and stuff our bodies still react to um, stimulation we just haven't connected mentally what those things mean so for her her doing that she had at 12 years old, she had to come to a point where she was understanding what these things meant, you know? So I, I don't want us to gloss over that, to think that it only has to come from the hand of an adult to be considered, you know, abuse, because we just have to understand hurt people hurt people. Did you ever feel alone in your experience? Did you have other men around you that you knew went through these type of things? I do have a lot of adult friends, uh, male friends. Uh, in fact, um, we had a group. We would like do a camping trip every every fall and um, just bond as young men. You know, uh, married young men, just kind of getting away from our families, getting away from our wives, and just kind of sitting together and reflecting and talking about things, topics. Um, I remember one year we did um, just kind of talking amongst ourselves about past trauma and, and relationship issues and whatnot. And and I, it was interesting to me that I wasn't the only one that had, you know, come from a background of, of sexual abuse and felt that that contributed to decisions, lack of healthy relationships with women in their lives. So there, there are actually a number of young men that expressed, um, they feel like the issues that they've had with relationships and whatnot stemmed from abuses that happened in their childhood. And, you know, I honestly think that this that's important, uh, an important outlet for young men to kind of talk about these things. Because a lot of times, you know, we, we, we experience things and we think we're the only ones that are going right. through something. And I think another element of that too, and I think that's beautiful, that melts my heart. Like I love when specifically black men, because I want to talk about our black men, because <laughs> we've been taught not to share our, you guys have been taught to not share your emotions. Right. You've been taught you have to stay strong. You can't show vulnerability vulnerability that's a sign of weakness all these different things right and i'm an advocate for anybody to express their emotions specifically men that the fact that you guys were comfortable to do so because a lot of men are not going to sit down in a circle and talk about that because they feel like it's weak and they feel like oh me as a man i don't need to talk about that like that's normal you know like that don't mean nothing and, and excuse my language but Yo, that's some bitch move, yo. Because you feel that there's no problem as a man or specifically as a black man, it becomes the norm. Man, this stuff happens every day, but not realizing how it plays out in your interactions with women on top of what you're, you're being fed in society and in music. I'm remembering an article with Chris Brown where he mentions the first time that he lost his virginity, he was eight and it was a 14 year old girl. 
or something like that, 14, 15 mm-hmm. year old girl. And when when they were asking him in the magazine how it affected him, and he was like, affected me. He was just like, I was glad I got a head start. And that's how he saw it. He was like, I got a head start, you know, because to him, it's just like, well, if I started at eight, then that means then I know that I've gotten the experience. So better to start early than later so that I could be good in bed. He did not even connect that. I was eight. <laughs> you know, he was eight. And from a 14, 15 year old, you just saw it as, oh, thank goodness I lost my virginity. And of course, he got backlash later on because people were like, no, Chris Brown, you were raped. But for him in his mind, it's like, no, what's the problem? Everybody goes through it as a as a boy. If we talk to women, some of us gloss over it because we're like, oh, yeah, I was molested. Oh, yeah, I was molested where it becomes the norm where it's as if we got desensitized to the enormity of what we experienced. I wish that I had the relationship with my father where he could talk to me about things that he's been through to share his experiences with me to help me cope with stuff. But he, like you said, that's that's one of the things that he just can't talk about. It's, it's that masculine thing where, you know, I feel like it would make him feel smaller or, or embarrassed to, to bring those things up and talk about it. I, I know that he's been through a lot. I know that he's had a lot of experiences in, in things, you know, specifically around his relationship with, with my mom and, you know, things that he's dealt with that he has never spoken to me about. As I'm raising my son, who's a teenager, you know, I'm thinking about, uh, about about things like that that I want to share with him. I want him to understand mm-hmm. if he has certain feelings or if he's going through certain situations, at least have a reference point, you know, and also feel open enough where he can come and talk to me and know that I will be willing to have a heart-to-heart, man-to-man conversation mm-hmm. to equip him and help him to deal with that. I even want him to be able to listen to this podcast and, and understand the story that, that I had to deal with so that he can understand more about life. Now you're talking about we didn't have the internet. They do. Things that are on there, listen. So much more than we had to deal with back then. So much more. And even when it comes to sexuality, there's a different narrative that's being taught to them right now also. You know what I mean? mean and we we're not going to get into that but it's better that it's coming from you and i love that you said that because i feel like a lot of men sometimes it's not even their fault because they weren't given the tools to deal with their emotions they weren't giving the space to deal with their emotions right Right, so for you knowing what you went through to tell your son another black man growing up to be a black man here are the tools i'm gonna give you so not only that you can feel free to share your emotions but you understand like you said life a little bit more but at the same time i want you to start using these tools so you can be self-reflective for yourself us as human beings us women as well that's why i'm so appreciative of the people that i have around me that i'm able to have these type of conversations you're allowed to hear one person's story but you can also take these stories and be like okay is there any way this can relate to me how can i take from this What I discovered based on what you said, it makes me now want to, I believe with all the work that I've done and I'm doing, that I know that was going to be an element once I get into my next relationship. It's reiterating the importance even more in the sense of like, when we're sitting down communicating with each other, of course I want him to feel ready to have any type of conversation when it comes to trauma or abuse. 
if any, but I want to set the foundation for both of us, a trusting space also to be like, how have you dealt with relationships in the past? How do you view it now? What has been your upbringing sexually? Because now that I'm listening to you, I think it's very important to understand that person's train of thought when it comes to those things. Because a lot of times, let's say with the story that you gave with the girl, if that was me, I don't even know that you're dealing with this type of thought process and you not even realizing where this, where these actions are coming from. But me now, I'm going to take it as rejection. Now that's right. going to be my pain. And I'm like, I guess he didn't want me. And I guess da, 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 da. I want to sit with my partner to understand what has been your sexual education or acknowledgement or awareness throughout life. What has been your past relationships and how do you do it now or view it now? Because it'll give me a better compass of how now we are to move forward. Because you made a valid point. There's a lot of us that are going through divorce and all these different things, even though there are multiple reasons and variables for divorce. But at the same time, I believe one of the elements for it is because of incompatibility. There's a lot of times we didn't have these discussions. It was all about the romanticism or all about the physical and, you know, just desiring to be married and not really taking the time to understand what is this person's train of thought? What is their history? Right. You get married and you start unpacking the stuff and then you're like, oh man, you know what? <laughs> I don't know that I want to deal with this stuff. Yeah. Most conversations are very important. To yeah. Me. So for me, that is my discovery where, yeah, those are things I said I would do. But now more so, I think you've given me more tools in the sense of like questions to ask. I, I want to thank you for just being on this episode, for being on She Discovered, for sharing, being vulnerable, and just giving my listeners, you know, just a glimpse into more information and more insight on what we can do to be of better aid to one another when it comes to sexual abuse. Even if we've never experienced it ourselves, but how we can be of aid to other people and just having more of an understanding. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. All right, listeners. So again, thank you for joining us for this episode. As always, I hope you leave with a little bit more insight, a little bit more wisdom, and tune in to the next episode. Thank you for listening into this week's episode. I hope you've gained some knowledge, insight, and clarity in this moment creating your own inner discoveries. And most importantly, head over to at She Discovered Podcast on Instagram to interact with me and receive more tips and info relating to all topics discussed. As always, you are appreciated. <laughs>